Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Life Church, it's Jim Miller. It's good to be with you again this morning. Uh, God bless you wherever you are. Happy 4th of July weekend. If you are watching this on the 4th of July, if you're watching this two years from now in October because you were flipping around on YouTube looking at cat videos and you landed here, welcome all the same. I'm glad you're here. Uh, we, uh, we have had an amazing summer uh, here at Real Life and it's just getting better. Uh, it's been an amazing summer of giving. This summer has made me thankful for this church. Uh, our High school students have gone to Colorado on a mission trip, and they're helping uh, repair homes of some some elderly folks who couldn't do work on their homes themselves. Uh, We had a blood drive last weekend that raised uh, 30 pints of blood. Do you say raised, drew, took? I don't know. I don't know the vocabulary. We got 30 pints of blood, uh, not we, the City of Hope, uh, because uh, we love City of Hope and all the good work they do. But thank you for all of you who are generous in volunteering and taking part in that. Um, As you know, starting in a couple weeks, we're going to start a cancer support ministry, which uh, we have just the dream team leading that ministry. And so uh, if you are uh, with cancer or a family member of someone with cancer or if you've recovered from cancer but uh, still need that that circle in which to process uh, and people that you can care for that ministry is starting up I'm looking forward to all the good that does uh, and also we're going to start a grief a grief care ministry a grief support ministry uh, coming in about a month or so I think so there's all kinds of good things uh, going on in the life of the church plus we're blessing other uh, fellowships as we go we have a Japanese congregation that now meets with us every single Sunday they're actually asking can we have worship services in here sometimes uh, in the middle of the week uh, and uh, wouldn't it be amazing if this room was at one point always filled with people worshiping uh, and so I'm thankful for them and thankful that we get to host them our Spanish uh, Bible study has now grown to over 20 people just in the first couple weeks and we hope that becomes a worship service here uh, one day so I'm thankful that that is underway there's all just kind of good things going on I'm, I'm in a good mood today there you go. Um, but thankful, thankful for this church. Oh, and uh, here's a new one. This is coming up. This starts next weekend. Uh, we are going to be hosting a little tiny Anglican congregation at our Glendora campus. So if you don't know this, if you haven't been with us, you're just tuning in. Someone gave us a building in Glendora last year. And uh, actually, actually this year, we've finally come into possession of it and uh, we're going to let a little uh, Anglican congregation go in there on Sunday afternoons and start having their worship services because they were dislocated by the pandemic so we get to host them uh, again for free we just want to take them in and see them uh, thrive and survive I, you know what I told them I told I told the Japanese congregation I told you this a while ago it, it's absolutely free we're happy you're here but if you ever have a sushi lunch after church you need to call me because I'll be there for that so I don't know what the Anglicans eat but if it's anything like British food I don't I don't want any part of it but I did tell them if if you are talking to the queen I think I should be knighted at some point I don't know what process put me on that list is what I asked for and uh and so that's that's all the stuff that's going on in church hey uh, I am really thankful for all the things uh, that we can do uh, together as a church and it's fun to to meet the new folks who've joined us even this summer in a season where I did not expect 
people would be going out in public and uh, meeting new folks they hadn't known before, but people have uh, been coming to church who haven't been here before and joining us, uh, and that's just the summer. Imagine what this fall looks like. Uh, that's, uh, that's a lot of good stuff. Let's take a minute, let's pray together, and then we're going to continue in our series of studies called Know What I Like About Jesus. And uh, spoiler alert, I-, I like the fact that Jesus sets us free. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us, and I thank you that you want to work all kinds of good things in our lives. You, you want your people to be free. You want us to be free from the things that enslave and entangle us in this life and the things that bind our souls that are not good for us. So I thank you that you want us to have more freedom and not less. And I thank you that you walked this earth so that we could be free uh, in you uh, through your son Jesus. Uh, Lord, I ask that uh, this morning for anybody listening in who is uh, unsure of you, who has questions about you, who feels bound by things in this world, I ask that by the power of your spirit you would set them free free to know you, and free to love in your name. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right. Here's a little contrast. Picture these two things. I want you to think about, I want you to think about church. I remember being a kid in Sunday school many, many years ago. Uh, and I remember uh, being in a Sunday school class. And Sunday school, the, the Sunday schools I went to as a child were not made for children. I don't know who they were made for, but they were kind of uh, trivia quizzes for uh, people who don't get out much. And I remember the teacher thought she would be clever one day and said, how many animals did Moses get in the ark? And I raised my hand, because I never got any of these answers. I raised my hand as a two of every animal. And... She goes, no, that's not it. And I was, I was baffled. And then this other kid raised his hand, and, he, and he, he stands up and he goes, Moses didn't have an ark. It was Noah. And then he went, hmm. And that was, that was my experience of church as a child. <laughs> I know better than you do. Uh, funny thing about Facebook, if you have a slightly unusual name, uh, you can be looked up years later. Jim Miller, you're never going to find me. But but if you have a slightly unusual name like this kid who was in my Sunday school class, you can find them. I kid you not, I looked him up. He's now like the vice president of a major Protestant denomination. Hmm. Um, let's contrast that uh, with that, that experience with uh, when, uh, when uh, many years ago, I, I talked to a guy who um, was a veteran of World War II. Um, and I talked to him about his experiences. And he, he mentioned, he alluded to uh, having been at one of the German concentration camps. And my grandfather flew uh, a bomber over Germany. And so I asked him, I said, you mean you flew over one of the concentration camps? And he said to me, no, Jim, I went through the front door. Uh, and I think about the, the kind of courage and the kind of life and the kind of story that a guy has to go and liberate a concentration camp on the ground. And I think about the life that that guy's living. Um, I think about the stories that he has, and just the, the experience that shaped his character over a lifetime. Now, when, when you think about church, when you think about your experience of church, most of us think of the former story rather than the latter, which is ironic because Jesus was more like the latter story than the former. Most of us have an experience of church which boils down to reading comprehension and pop quizzes. Right? Reading comprehension and good behavior is Sunday school for most of us. When in fact, when Jesus walked the earth, what Jesus was interested in was setting people free. 
He was far more like the, the latter story than the former. He wasn't interested in creating a body that just sat around and got facts right. He was interested in leading a people to freedom. And he's still interested in doing that today. I want to read to you a passage uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And it's one that you've heard before if you've been around in church because we say these words a lot. But I want to read through this and then unpack it. 1 Corinthians 11. This is the Apostle Paul, a first century preacher and church planter, writing to the Greek city of Corinth, which was a major port city. It was kind of like San Francisco. They had all kinds of different religions and different cultures. And he's gone and he started a little church there. And they, uh, among other things, they practice uh, the Lord's Supper, and he sends them a letter with some instructions on how to practice the Lord's Supper. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11 at verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, this story, this uh, passage is a fascinating one because of the, the story that is behind it. Uh, this meal that Jesus shares with his disciples was not something that he made up, and it was not a casual dinner. They're in Jerusalem for the Passover festival, a festival in which they remember the fact that they were set free from Egypt. See, some 1,500 years before, the Jewish people were in slavery in Egypt. This is captured in the book of Exodus. And while they were in slavery, they were oppressed by the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. God called Moses to set them free, and they, they ran out into the wilderness in the middle of the night. They actually had to grab their stuff and go before the bread even had time to rise. And so every year after that, they celebrated their Independence Day, their 4th of July, and said, hey, remember how we used to be slaves in Egypt, and then we were set free. Do you remember the day that it happened? We, uh, we had a, a meal that night of lamb. And God told us to mark the doorposts of our house with a little bit of the, the blood of the lamb. And God's spirit passed over Egypt that night. We, we ran out into the desert with bread that didn't have time to rise. Uh, and so they, on this 4th of July meal, instead of hot dogs and Coca-Cola, they'd get together and they'd celebrate what's called the Seder meal. And they'd have a lamb dinner to remember that day they were set free from Egypt. They'd pass around a cup of red wine and say, remember how we marked the doorposts with the blood of the lamb. They'd eat bitter herbs and say, remember how bitter our slavery was. And they'd eat flatbread and say, remember how we had to run out into the desert without time for the bread to rise. And they did this every single year at Passover, their Independence Day, their 4th of July celebration. That's the meal that Jesus celebrates with his disciples here at the end. And, and this is such a, such a central story to who the Jewish people are that God uses this story to identify himself to them. In the Ten Commandments, 
The, the law that God gives to Moses, he begins the Ten Commandments with an introduction. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's which God I am. I am a God who longs to set his people free. When you, when you wonder about me, when you wonder at who I am, that's who I am. I am the people who long, I am the God who longs for his people to be free. And at Passover every year, they celebrated that Independence Day meal and remembered that that is who their God was. And that is who our God is today. Our God is a God who longs for his people to be free. The reason Martin Luther King Jr. could preach a sermon called uh, Let My People Go was because he was referencing the Exodus and the story of Moses and the God who longed to set his people free. And Martin Luther King Jr., that that was a real and tangible freedom that God wants his people to have in this life. Now, there are, um, there are uh, uh, some uh, uh, liberation theologians who misunderstand what, uh, God, what God was doing and want to say that the freedom of uh, the Egyptians, the freedom from the Egyptians, the freedom that they celebrated at the Seder meal was a freedom from earthly bondage. A freedom from the, uh, the slavery of this world. And that's absolutely true, but it's also bigger than that. Because at the end of his life, on this, on this Passover holiday, Jesus gathered with his disciples, and he changed the meal. He transformed the meal that remembered their freedom from Egypt. Uh, they gathered in Jerusalem, as, as was required. The, the able-bodied families would travel to Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover there. They all migrated in for a pilgrimage. And they'd, they'd spend the week remembering their independence. And then on, on that, the middle of that week, they would celebrate the Passover meal. And so all these Jewish people would migrate in from all over the surrounding area. Anywhere they lived, they were to go to Jerusalem where God's temple was and worship there. Um, you have to imagine the image of this. Imagine the image of hundreds and hundreds of people coming across the landscape, migrating in from all directions on all the, the roads that lead to Jerusalem. And Rome, which rules over Judea at the time, is not happy that they have an Independence Day. I mean, this would be like celebrating the 4th of July in the middle of a London square, right? They, they rule over Judea, and they don't want the the Jewish people thinking too much about freedom. And here's Passover. Here's their Independence Day, the day they remember God set them free from slavery in Egypt. So imagine being a poor Roman soldier stationed at the gate of Jerusalem watching these, these crowds and crowds of people walking towards you. And the only thing on their mind, the only thing they're thinking is, God killed Pharaoh. God killed Pharaoh. And they're marching towards Jerusalem. And the poor Roman guards standing there who should have called in sick that week. At that meal, that week, that Independence Day meal, Jesus takes the meal and he advances it. He transforms it. He changes its message. You have always eaten this bread and remember your flight out of Egypt. You have always drunk this cup and remembered the blood of the lamb. From now on, when you celebrate your annual Passover meal, when you celebrate your Independence Day, do this in remembrance of me. And I have not simply come to set you free from the things in this world that enslave you. I have come to set you free from sin and death. Because when we believe that Jesus died for us on the cross, all of our sins are taken off of us and placed onto him. We are free from the guilt and shame of 
the responsibility of the broken things we've done. In God's eyes, we are made innocent. We are made free to go about restoring this world and making it more like the kingdom of heaven. Liberation theologians would make this simply about freedom from the enslavements of this world. And it, it is about that, but it's bigger than that. The, uh, the freedom from slaveries of this world is a physical manifestation of the spiritual reality that God wants for us. God does not want our souls enslaved. God wants us to be free. Free from the enslavements of this world, free from sin, and free from death. Um, I want to look a little bit about uh, the way the Apostle Paul describes the freedom that Jesus gives us. Because one of the things I like most about Jesus is that he wants us to be free. Uh, look in your Bibles at Galatians. Uh, we're going to look at two different passages in Galatians. Galatians chapter 5 at verse 1. Uh, I, love, I love the way this is written. Paul says so much uh, in so little right here. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And here's the slavery that he's referring to. I go back to Galatians chapter 3 at verse 23. Before the coming of this faith, the Christian faith, before the Christian faith came, we were held in custody, in slavery, by the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. The word that Paul uses for guardian here was actually a specific word in the first century world. It was a pedagogos. And a pedagogos was actually a job title, like, a, like you'd say a contractor or a teacher or an engineer. A pedagogos was a tutor that wealthy Greco-Roman families would hire and put them in charge of uh, their, their children that they were bringing up. If you were a wealthy family and you had a son that you were bringing up, you would assign the tutor to be responsible for the child. And, and the child would grow up learning from the tutor as though it was a parent, right? The, the tutor had the right to, to teach the child and even to discipline the child in all matters until the child was an adult. When the child came of age, the child was free from the pedagogos, and the pedagogos was no more. And then the child was an adult and an heir to the estate. And Paul uses that reality of the first century world, a world that the, uh, the Galatians would have known, the Corinthians would have known, and says, look, just in the same way you hire people to oversee your children up until they can take care of themselves, the law that God gave to Moses, the Jewish law, was put in charge to be responsible for us, to discipline us, to bring us up. But when Christ has come, you are free from the law. The law's job is done. Don't go back and enslave yourself to the law again. Don't try to earn your righteousness by being good in the hopes that one day you'll stand in front of God and say, I was a pretty nice person. You should let me in. I've done it good enough. We will never be good enough to satisfy a perfect God, and we don't need to be. The law was there to enslave us, to hold us down, to keep us uh, under the control of its rules. When Christ comes, we are set free. And that's the message of the gospel. Verse 25, now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, a pedagogos. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Uh, that, that is an image from first century baptisms. They would be baptized and then they would dress in white to signify their purity. If you've been baptized in Christ, you've been clothed with Christ. 
Uh, all of you who have been baptized with Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Those great divides in human culture, those great divides in human life, those are gone in Jesus. In Jesus, you are unified, you are one, you are together, and you are set free. Uh, you know what I like about Jesus? He loves to set us free. He wants to set us free, first of all, from sin from addictions to things that are bad for us, from attachments to things that are going to poison us, for anything less than the full life he wants for us, he wants to set us free from sin. But he also wants to set us free from the law. Because some people think that once I'm free from sin, what I have to be is a really, really well-behaved person. I have to be one of those people who sit in Sunday school and get all the answers right and don't have any fun and, and make sure that everybody else follows the rules too. Hmm. Right? Some of us think that's what church is about. Somehow, Jesus spent his life arguing with Pharisees and then has created a movement that's full of them. And one of the most important realizations that many Christians come to in their lives is that they have been a Pharisee rather than a follower of Jesus. Jesus wants us to be free from sin, but he also wants us to be free from the law. He wants us to be free for real life in him. Freedom that is a connection to the God who made us. Freedom that sets our souls loose in this world to love in his name, to live healthy and happy lives, and to pass his grace on to others. What I love about Jesus is that he wants us to have the full life he designed for us in the first place. I can't imagine anything better. And there's this beautiful passage in C.S. Lewis' book, The Screwtape Letters, in which he talks about the kind of freedom that God wants us to have and, and, and what that freedom looks like when it's played out. The Screwtape Letters, if you haven't read it, is a brilliant little book. And it's funny. It's a collection of letters written from one demon to another demon, giving him advice on how to tempt a human being and lead him astray. And so when they refer to the patient, they're, they're talking about the human being that's being tempted. And when they talk about uh, our father below, they're talking about Satan. And when they talk about their, their enemy, they're talking about God. And so C.S. Lewis gives some brilliant theological advice, but it's all in reverse. It's all from the mouth of a demon, so you have to sort of hear the opposite of what the demon is saying. And this is a passage in which the senior demon is telling the junior demon about how God, the enemy, wants people to be free. Of course, I know that the enemy also wants to detach men from themselves, but in a different way. Uh, the, the demons want people detached from themselves so they're obsessed with you know, alcohol or, or mindless entertainment. They want them detached from real life. And the demon says, God wants them detached from themselves, but in a different way. Remember always that he really likes the little vermin and sets an absurd value on the distinctness of every one of them. When he talks of their losing their selves, he only means abandoning the clamor of self-will. Once they have done that, he really gives them back all their personality and boasts, I'm afraid sincerely, that when they are wholly his, they will be more themselves than ever. God causes us to lose ourselves so that we will not be selfish. But then he gives us back ourselves because he's, he wants us to have real lives, abundant lives, joy-filled lives, lives that are free. 
if you've never taken that step before and said, hey, I think I'm going to try out Jesus. I think I want to follow Jesus. Because you're realizing for the first time he's not the God of Sunday school right answers and reading comprehension. But instead, the God who, who longs to set you free. If you're at that point today where you say, hey, I think I actually want to try that out. If you step over that line and say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. It's actually at that moment, not that you lose your life, but that you gain it back the way it was supposed to be. Because Jesus really does want you to be free in him. He died for it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are the God of freedom and real freedom. You want to set us free from the injustices that enslave us in this world, from the uh, in addictions to, to sin and brokenness that crowd and distort our lives. You want to set us free from the fear of death and from its power over us. And you want to set us free to be who you made us to. A people who live real and love real. Jesus, do that in our hearts today. For anybody who's longing for you and is ready to take that step, we pray now, Jesus, come into our hearts and be our Lord and Savior. Forgive our sins and make us new. Set us free in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.